0: Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You, of course, can always send your questions to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. That's letstalktorah at gmail.com. And I will answer as many as possible. You can also call into the show at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. And if we can get you in... We'll see if you have something intelligent to add. And if not, we'll uh, move along. I hope you're enjoying the heat. It is a scorcher out there. But again, the heat is good. I like the heat. We had a rainstorm yesterday. But the heat is good. Warms the bones. So when we get to the cold winter, we uh, we stay a little bit warm. Um, for some of us, there's a little bit of a harder day for the intense heat. And that is because today... Is a fast day. It is a Jewish fast day. It actually begins the saddest period of the Jewish calendar. Now, without let's we're gonna take it all slow. A fast day means that you are not eating or drinking anything. Um, I would say from sunup to sundown, but it's really longer. It's really from um, dawn, I guess you would call it, which is was this morning was around 4:15. And it certainly is not worth waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to have something to eat. Um, So it's from whenever you went to sleep last night. And it happens to be here in Detroit. It ends quite late. Somewhere in the 10 o'clock range tonight. So it's not just when the sun goes down. It's got to really be dark outside. So we're not going to eat. We're not going to drink. I do not have my coffee mug here filled with water. So I will somehow survive without uh, drinking. And I'm a big drinker. At least water. And it's just one of those days, like, I had to leave the services this morning, so I had to use my voice. I taught for an hour and a half or two hours in camp today, more using my voice. And here we go again, but, uh, so if I'm a little dry, a little raspy, uh, or I guess more raspy than usual, at least you'll know why. So, that's a fast day. That's what we do. The question is, why do we have a fast day? So, generally speaking a fast day is commemorating a tragedy that took place. Now, in truth, throughout our history, there's been a lot of tragedies. So you can't fast every time something bad happens because we have a whole history. And that means you'll never eat, which for some of us is not so bad, but uh, we like to eat. So the rabbis set up the basic fast days during the year, and what they represent. And one of the things I want to bring out today is that most fast days, I was thinking about it today when I was teaching my class. I brought it out to them, and I, and I proved it to them. All the fast days seem to be arrows pointing at the destruction of the temple. When we're going to go through the reasons for these fast days and and what happened— At the end of the day, it's a a beginning or a point along the line that says the temple is going to be destroyed and you're not going to have a temple. That's where everything focuses in. So that means really we got to take another step back. If everything is pointing towards the temple being destroyed. So I asked my class today, the third graders, and it was a fascinating conversation. I said, you know, the temple was destroyed. 21, 2200 years ago. That's a long time ago. I don't remember it. Your grandparents don't remember it. It almost has no meaning and value because we don't know what we lost even, which in itself is not such a good thing. But like, okay, so what's the big deal? What's the big deal? So he asks us the third graders. Now, third graders are very good at mimicking and repeating everything they've been spoon-fed. But let's get some some intelligence. Well, the temple's not here, we can't bring sacrifices. I said, okay, so. Well, the temple's not here, and it was very beautiful. I said, okay, so. Or oh, the temple's not here, and we don't have God's presence. And I said, so. And I was, all these are, are very good words. And all true answers. I told him, I said, you're all right. But, but where's the point? So, so what? what? What am I missing? Now, that in itself, is is a difficulty because it's sad that I don't know what I'm missing, but it's very hard to just fast and extra prayers over something that I don't even know what I lost, right? If I lived then, I understand what I lost, but what's today? What, what does it do for me? So, um, so it's 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 very important to understand the yeah the temple and God's presence presence is there and the priests the name were doing their service and the Levites were doing their singing and it was all amazing, wonderful, beautiful. But that's still so recreate it, like you know if it's just a if it's just a theater if it's just a show create it. So that's not what it was. The point was when a person went to the temple, and he saw. He didn't just see the Kohanim, the priests, doing their service, and he didn't just see and listen to the Levium sing, and the beauty and the and the majestic building and all the people there. That wasn't it. What happened was when a person went to the temple, to the Beis Hamikdash, he felt God's presence. It completely changed a person. Just going once. Now the Torah actually wants you to go three times a year. But if a person went just once and observed and took in the God's presence and what was going on, it was impossible to be the same person when you left. And that stayed with you. Now, of course, anything stays with you and a lot of things. We, we teach people things. We, we have lessons. We tell people to do stuff. And they, uh, they forget it a week later, if we're lucky. So maybe three times a year going up was to make sure that we continuously had the reminder. But truthfully, a person could go once, he could feel the presence of God, he felt connected to God, and by feeling connected to God, he understood how to serve God differently, better. I have a connection. There's me and God. He wants me to be connected to him. He wants me to feel attached to him. That type of feeling that closeness that we experienced, which is, if we think about it, um, everything we're doing, uh, I'm studying God's Torah, and I'm doing His commands, and I want to be a good person. So let's assume you don't understand everything. But you all understand you want to be a good person because you know that's what God wants. Why does God want that? Because God He didn't just put you here just to be a good person and do good deeds, and then what? And therefore, and who cares? Because doing all these good deeds... First of all, will make me godlike, and second of all, will connect me to God. That's what I want out of life. I want to be connected to God. The problem is, the best way to do it was having a temple and having the service. And now that that's lost, I don't even have the opportunity to have that kind of connection. I can have a connection. We've had shows. We've talked about it with idol worship and. And how we could have a relationship with God, and and because of that, we had a, a concept of idol worship, and we lost the idol worship, we lost a, a concept of, of connecting to God. We we talked about this in older shows. You can go back and find them. But here, just to keep it simple, we're just pointing out that the that the whole purpose of the temple was to give me a connection to God. And that is what I've lost. I've lost the ability, the opportunity, probably even the desire, because if I don't know what the connection could be, then it's hard to have the desire to have that connection. That's why all the fast days throughout the year, that's what they were created for. You have what's called a Sarabitamus, Sarabitavis, I'm sorry, that's the 10th day of, of, of Teves, that's about two weeks after Hanukkah, that uh, the walls of Jerusalem were surrounded. And we have uh, the fast day after Rosh Hanah, Gedalia, when the, he was a great. Rabbi Gedaliah and when he was killed so that was like the end we were completely thrown out of the land of Israel between the first and second temple. So you hear already things are connected to the temple. Now let's we're going to get into today the 17th of Tammuz Shavvat Tammuz and if we have time we'll even touch on Tishbev because they're really intertwined it's a 3 week period it starts today with Shavvat Tammuz it ends with Tishbev so these days are intertwined so we'll try to talk about both. The only fast day on the calendar, well, two of them, really, that are not connected to the temple per se is Yom Kippur, which sort of is connected to the temple because it was the high priest service in the temple, but that we're fasting because the tourists had to fast, not because we lost the temple. So that's totally separate. I'm talking about the rabbinic fast days. And we have the fast called Tainas Esther on the day before Purim, which really is not connected, at least not to my knowledge. I will... Maybe we'll figure something out, but I'm not looking to. That one's not really connected to the temple. So now let's see. Let's look at Shiva Sapatamu's and, and let's see how those how this day today, what happened in history on this day, how is that connected? So the Mishnah, which I taught my class today, the in the oral law, there's a Mishnah that says five things happened on Shiva Tammuz on the 17th day of Tammuz. And five things happened on Tishabav. As a side note, which I do all the time, um, a child in my class raises his hand and he says he's reading the words of the Mishnah. And the words in the Mishnah, it says Tisha is one word, which means nine, by the way. And Ba'av is in the month of Av, so the ninth day of Av is two words. But when you never saw the word written inside, you only hear people say the word. So Tishabav for that price, Shabbat B'tam sounds like one long word. So the boy raises his hand and he says, why is it written as two words? I thought it's one word. So I said, no, no. It's it's a phrase, but we say it so fast and you never saw the words. um, You think it's one word, but it can't possibly be one word, because one word is Tisha for the number nine, and one is of for the month that we're referring to. Or in this case, we're talking today, Shiva is seven, Asir is ten, and Betamuz is the month of Tammuz, so the seventeenth day of Tammuz. So even though we say it fast, and when we say it fast, it sounds like one word, we need to keep in mind it's not really one word, it's really, it's really three words, or Tishibav is two words. Okay, good. So first things first, what happened on Shiva's Betamuz? So go back in history, we've left Egypt. God has given us the Torah. Moses has gone up on the mountain for forty days, and he's told the Jewish people, I'll be back after forty days and forty nights. The people get confused. the the evil inclination, the eight Sahara is allowed to confuse us. And we go to Aaron and we say, Moses is dead. We need an intermediary, and we make or Aaron makes really the golden calf. So um, we're again, it was it was a small group we said, Six hundred people, three thousand were killed. So three thousand people out of millions of people—it's a minuscule amount of people. But that minuscule amount of people should have been stopped, and the rest of us stood by on the sidelines and did not stop it. Therefore, the golden calf is considered a a, a terrible blemish—is a kind word. And uh, and Moses come down, and we're going to talk. He's going to break the tablets. And he has to pray for us for 40 days, get a new set of tablets, and even to this day, we're still suffering, we're still punished because of the incident, that sin of the golden calf. The day Moses comes down and breaks the tablets is today, is the 17th day of Tammuz, And so this is one tragedy that happened. Now, I told you everything will point us towards the temple. The breaking of these tablets has automatically changed the spiritual level of the Jewish people. We're going to see it's going to make more differences coming along, but that change in our spiritual level is going to be a cause and effect that it's going to slow us down traveling in the desert. It's going to eventually create Moses doesn't go into, into the land of Israel It's going to create that the temple we built is going to eventually be destroyed. But that one, even if you think that's a stretch, which it's not, I'll show you why, but we'll get there. So the first reason in the Mishnah, the first tragedy that took place, where the tablets were broken, the rabbis explain that those original tablets, the, the Torah that we would have been given, received through those tablets, we were on such a spiritual level, you would have learned something once and it would have stuck to your brain. You would have understood it clearly. You never would have forgotten it. I know I studied something yesterday and this morning and I can't remember it. Right? Torah would have been so pure that you would study and never forget. It would be a totally different type of study. Moses breaks the tablets. He has to get a second tablet from God later. It comes down on Yom Kippur. The, the level of those tablets, we were not on that level. So for, forgetfulness became part of uh, life. So we study and study again and review again. Can you imagine taking a test? But what's the big deal? Because everything you learned is stuck in your brain clearly. Like you wouldn't be able to not get 100. You wouldn't be able to fool anybody. You would know everything. So it's different. So that's tragedy number one. Tragedy number two um, is interesting, and that's not the order I wrote them in. But I'm going to go to this one first, and that is um, this morning. Many people, myself included, there's extra prayers. It's like poetry. It's called slichos or slichot that we say, um, reminding us of all the things that took place on this day. So a lot of it, and I was all five things are going to be mentioned. But a lot of it revolves around that the daily sacrifice was stopped. Now, this concept of the daily sacrifice being stopped happened probably more than once. Happened at the end of the first temple, happened in the middle of the second temple, perhaps happened the third time. It does happen a couple times in the process. What happened? Um, The walls are surrounded, the army is outside, and the... um, I mean, it's a city, right? Jerusalem is a city. How many sheep do you think they have in Jerusalem to bring the daily sacrifice? So, again, this is interesting, right? Your army is outside my wall. You're trying to attack me. I'm not letting you in. But we do some business together. So we would lower down a basket of gold, and the enemy outside would send up two sheep for our daily sacrifices, which, again, is interesting, right? I'm having a war with you, but you're supplying me with what I need. Interesting. So there was a person behind the walls who was not a friend of the Jewish people, and he, he sent out a message, sign language, whatever language he used. He said, You fools, as long as the Jewish people are allowed to bring their sacrifice, you will have no power to defeat them. Hmm. Once they get the message, what do you think happens? We send down the basket of gold, and instead of two sheep coming up, up comes a pig, and we understood that was the end. God was no longer going to help us out to bring sacrifices. Once we can't bring sacrifices, that means that, now this one's a clear one. You can't bring sacrifices. Basically, God is saying the service at a temple is over. And it's just one more step to coming in and destroying the temple. So, again, as we said, if everything is focused at the end of the day on the destruction of the temple, certainly this happening that we can no longer bring the sacrifice, I don't want to say beginning or the end. Because this is so close to the end, that it's not uh, it's not a beginning part. It's way deep in the process, but it's it's the end of the end. Right now, we see for those that, w- that would have been in Jerusalem and, and saw that we can no longer bring sacrifices. It was very clear that the the sacrifice part, the temple, is really going to be finished. Three other things. Okay, the walls of Jerusalem were broken, so again, that becomes very easy to To see the focus that were they're on the way to destroy the temple because that's what they wanted and it's, it's not like Jerusalem was some you know super city with millions of people that the it wasn't a major city per se like other countries, but it was it was for the, for the Jews it was everything for us it was everything, and all those nations that went to conquer understood that that was everything to us that that was our temple. That that's where we had God's presence. That's where we became closer to God. That's where we were. We became who we were by having a temple. They didn't want us to serve as Jews. Destroyed a temple, and they thought, destroy the Jewish people. It did not work, right? Obviously, 2,200 years later, in exile, still being in exile, no temple, but we were still the Jewish people. But we lost, again, that connection. Two more things that happened today. Um, one was a, uh, he was a officer. Um, his name was Aphostomis, whatever language that's in. And he publicly burnt a Torah scroll. Torah scroll is, is, is so precious. That's, that's what God wrote down. It had Moses write down and said, this is my law. You, you learn my Torah, you're talking to me. You know exactly my messages. You couldn't, you can't get any better. God writes down, I want you to do A, B, C, D. This is how I want you to do it. I'm talking to you. And so a Torah scroll is always put in the Ark. It's given honor. Um, By svaradim, it's a a lot of times like in a silver case. Um, Other people have silver crowns on it. It's it's so important to us. We're so careful with it that we hand it one person to another. We're very careful. We don't leave it lying around. A lot of times we won't even let children pick it up because we're afraid somebody might drop it. Like a save a Savior torah scroll that gets dropped is like people have a fast day for it. It's a tragedy, even even to have it dropped, and that he could go ahead and publicly, some say in the temple, to publicly burn a Torah scroll. He's saying, this is what I think about your religion, this is what I think about your God, this is what I think about you. it It's so painful that again, this is it, it's a it's a it's a microcosm almost, which is a good word of destroying the temple, right? Maybe he wasn't in a position to destroy the temple, but he says, we're looking to destroy what you believe in, your religion, every religious spiritual thing you think about, that you believe in. I'll start with your Torah scroll, but I'm going to end with your temple. So again, that's the fourth thing that takes place on Shabbat Tammuz, on the 17th of Tammuz. And the last thing, and again, very focused on the temple, very focused on the spirituality of God's presence in the temple, so there was a, an idol that was set up in the temple. Some say actually in the, in the holy rooms of the temple. It's debatable who set it up. Was it the Saphustabas set it up? Was it perhaps Menashe, who was a, a Jewish king from the tribe of Judah? He was, a, I mean, a great, great grandson of King David. He did a lot of idol worship. And he brought an idol, according to this, into the temple. So, again, that's going ahead and saying if the whole purpose, everything we said at the beginning of our show, if the whole purpose of the temple is to allow me to become close, to have a closeness, to understand God, to feel God, to change me as a person in my relationship with God, so putting an idol in the temple is saying get rid of your spirituality with God. We got an idol here we're going to worship. So, again, that's all fighting Right? All things happening to take away my ability to to become closer to God because you got an idol over here. Um, I do want to tell you I have about two minutes left. So I want to quickly um, just go over some of the, the, the Tishbo stuff. Tishmo is the 9th of of oh, that. Is the saddest day of the calendar. It's also on a Thursday, so I will not be here. And uh, August is coming. We'll see. Maybe I'll take a few more weeks, have family trips and other trips. But uh, certainly Tisha Bav is on a Thursday. I will not be here. Today's fast day. I could be here. Tisha B'Av fast day. I'm not going to be here. So what are the five things on Tisha Bav that took place? So again, everything revolves around the temple. So first of all, we have the first and second temple are destroyed. Second, then you, that's first and second. You also have that the mount and the temple mount is plowed over. Again, just to show no more temple mounts. You had the famous Bar Kokhba who led a revolt a few years after the destruction of the Second Temple and his stronghold city. He was killed, and Betar, his city, was again, was completely destroyed. And who knows? I saw different numbers. Half a million people killed, millions of people killed, whatever the numbers were. right? All that is they thought that they had a chance to get the temple back. Right? It all surrounds the temple. That's four. And there's one more. And that is that the spies came back with a bad report and said, God is not strong enough to conquer Israel. We can't conquer it. We're not going to Israel. And the Jewish people cried that night. And God says, fine, you cry for no reason. Now I'm going to give you a reason to cry. And you're not going into the land of Israel. Was does that do with a temple? Okay, you could say it delayed building the temple, but... I I really thought of something which is much more clear. Hopefully, I can get it said in about 30 seconds. We were on our way into the land of Israel. We were traveling. We should have gotten into the land of Israel within a week or two. We got delayed by 40 years. Once we got delayed by 40 years, it led to other problems in the desert, one of them being Moses hits the rock. Moses hits the rock, and uh, and now Moses can't go into the land of Israel. Moses can't go into the land of Israel. He doesn't have the opportunity to build the temple. The rabbis say, if Moses would have built the temple, then the um, the temple never would have been destroyed. So now we've come full circle, full circle. That everything, all the things that we're sad about, that we're fasting about, all wrap around the 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 actual temple, that we don't have a temple, that we don't have the ability to make a relationship with God so at least we can fast and pray extra and study extra and learn extra so that we can make a closer relationship with God. Okay, music's playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsor and listeners. You can't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have David and Angel in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro at NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.